The scripture for today is found in Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. I'm starting with two assumptions about you in mind. I'm starting this morning with the assumptions that you can understand the, these two feelings. Okay, that you can understand the feeling of not knowing why God is doing something he's doing. Not knowing why God is allowing something he's allowing. And then second, I'm assuming that you understand what it's like to read something in the Bible or hear something taught in the Bible and not understand what you've heard. Can you understand both of those things. I don't know why God's doing what he's doing, and I'm not sure what I, that I understood what I was just taught. Because you can understand those things, you are especially prepared to empathize with where the disciples are in today's passage. That's where, that's where they are at. Today's passage really um, is kind of the halftime speech of last week's passage. Last week, we studied what came before and what came after today's passage. Last week, and and you don't have to have been here last week to understand that or understand today's sermon, but last week, Jesus told a parable. We call it the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. And then later, he explained the parable. Okay, and we took the, the, the parable and his explanation together, but they, they weren't, that's not the way the story went down in order. We skipped something. Here's the way this went down. Jesus stood up very publicly in front of a huge crowd and very loudly told this parable, this story about a farmer sowing seeds that landed on four different kinds of soil. He told that story, did not explain what he meant by it, And then he said, he who had ears had better hear. You better pay attention to what I mean. But he didn't explain what he meant. And he quit teaching. And his disciples thought, well, that's strange. 
Um, so they ask him this. This is where today's passage starts. Why do, why do you speak to them in parables? Here's what the disciples ask today. Um, Lord, you just told a story that a lot of people didn't understand. And we know a lot of people didn't understand it because we were there and we don't understand what you meant either. Why would you teach something in a way that everybody doesn't understand what you're saying? They knew this was a real switch in Jesus' teaching style. And it's a good question. Because if that's the way you leave here, like, I don't understand a thing he said, okay, that's, a, that's bad teaching. How many of you have ever experienced this? You've listened to a teacher, a professor, or a preacher. And you thought, wow, he's, he's really smart, but all that's so far over my head, like I didn't catch any of it. But, but boy, is he smart. You know what that is? It's bad teaching. Because the job of a teacher is to help you understand. My job is not to make you think I'm smart, which would be an impossible task anyway. And Jesus normally didn't do this, and his disciples noticed that something has switched here. And this is the question that controls today's passage. Okay, the disciples, hey, uh, Jesus, why did you just teach in a way that everyone doesn't understand? And so Jesus is going to take a minute to talk about why he did that to his disciples. Here's what's happening in the bigger story of Matthew. The, the nation of Israel has rejected Jesus as king and rejected his kingdom. And so from this point on, Jesus' teaching, his clear teaching, most of it turns inward. He's no longer proclaiming stuff to Israel, to people at large. There'll be some large-scale teaching, but most of his clear teaching goes to a select small group, mainly the 12, what we usually call his disciples and some people who are usually with those 12, because he's going to be building into them what they need to lead this movement he is starting. Because right now, Jesus' job for the rest of Matthew is not to teach people stuff, like crowds of people stuff. His job now is prepare these disciples because he's going to go to a cross. His main task will be to die under the weight of the sins of the world. And when he rises from the, he dies and when he rises again, he ascends into heaven. The leaders of this movement will be these 12 guys and a couple of others, 11 of these 12 anyway, and they're the ones who have to lead this movement. And so Jesus is going to be pouring into them privately more than he proclaims publicly. And today, when he answers this question, why do you speak to them in parables? We're going to learn along with the disciples. We're going to learn stuff like this. There really is, when it comes to the kingdom of God, an us and a them, insiders and outsiders. We're going to learn um, why Jesus used parables, the purpose of parables. We're going to learn something about that there's secrets or mysteries of the kingdom. I'll share with you what, those, what that is. But by and large, this is a sermon about learning. We're going to be learning about learning today. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound exciting? We're going to be learning about learning. We're going to be studying about studying. 
So you've got to kind of turn your brains on for this one. Okay? Stretch out a little bit. There's no low-hanging fruit in this passage. You've got to stretch up to get the good stuff at the top. But that's the question. Why do you speak in parables? One thing Jesus will be beginning to teach his disciples is that there really is an us and a them. When it comes to the kingdom of God, there are insiders and outsiders. Okay? Now that there is an us and a them is not the same thing as saying that it is us versus them. That's different. That's not true. Our, we don't, our enemies are not out there in the world. Okay? In fact, our mission is to make, hopefully, some of them become some, some of us. But, when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are people that God has already punched their tickets into the kingdom of God, which will start one day. And there are people who do not have that ticket punched. And that's just the truth. There is nothing, there's nothing on earth that unifies people better than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater uniting force in the world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news about Jesus, can take people who have nothing at all in common and give them the same love, the same priorities, the same mission, can make them siblings, brothers and sisters, there's nothing like the gospel that can unite. You know, when I, was, uh, I went to, with, to Kazakhstan with Dennis. We get literally halfway around the world. You get in a meeting of other, of other Christians, and it just kind of feels a little bit like home, like we're on the same team. But Jesus has made abundantly clear already in the book of Matthew that although the gospel can and does unite, it also divides chapter 10, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a what? A sword. The thing about a sword is you're either on one side or the other of a sword. It's hard to, to stay in the middle when the middle is a sword. In chapter 12, Jesus said, whoever is not with me is what? Is against me. This is why, so there really is a difference between being a part of what is now called the church. It didn't exist quite yet when Jesus was teaching here, but there's a difference. Jesus loves the entire world. God loved the whole world, but he has a special relationship to the church. He called it his bride. I love all y'all, but not in the same way I love my bride, right? Jesus has a special relationship with his church, with his body, with his, with his bride. There really isn't us and of them. Now, he wants us to be, Jesus wants us to love our neighbors, and it does not matter if your neighbor is part of us or part of them. And again, our goal, our mission is to make some of them, some of us. But until that happens, God does relate differently to insiders and outsiders. Okay? That's part of the answer to this question. Jesus, why are you teaching them in parables? His most direct, the most direct part of his answer comes 
in verse 11. Where he says this, You have been given the opportunity to know the mysteries, or your Bible might say the secrets of the kingdom, but they have not. You see, there's a difference between you guys and they. Just from this verse, does Jesus treat the you and the they the same or different? Different. You may not know what the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom are, but Jesus treats the insiders different than the outsiders when it comes to the secrets of the kingdom. Right? All right. Now to help you understand what this means, I probably, probably better discuss what the mysteries of the kingdom are. Um, when the Bible started getting translated into English, the 1600s, there's a Greek word here, mysterion. It is where we get the English word mystery. And so when it says, you have been, Jesus tells the disciples, you guys have been given the opportunity to know the mysterion, the mysteries of the kingdom. The word mystery didn't mean then what it means now. This is why people have started translating it secrets. And I'll explain why. A mystery, when you hear the word mystery, you think of, depending upon how old you are, you might think of Sherlock Holmes, an Agatha Christie novel, Murder, She Wrote, remember her? Columbo, right? Um, CSI, and that's as young as I get. Sorry, if you're younger than CSI, I, don't, I can't help you. I don't know who the mystery uh, characters are. Because a mystery to us is some hidden, some caper, something that's happened, and there's truth to be found somewhere, but some really smart person or people have to put all the clues together and investigate and find the truth. It's up to us to find the truth. That's a mystery, right? And that is the English word mystery. But that's very, a, a very recent development. Mystery stories were invented in the 1800s. There wasn't a mystery story before that. Okay? When the Bible talks about a mystery, it's not talking about Sherlock Holmes or CSI. When the Bible talks about a mystery, you can look these up later, but look, uh, write down Colossians 1.26, Ephesians 3.5, if you're interested. Colossians 1.26, Ephesians 3.5, look them up later. Paul defines a biblical mystery in those places. Here's what a mystery is in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there, are, there were plans God always had that he didn't reveal in the Old Testament. And then after Jesus was born and lived and died, God started to reveal some of those things through Jesus and through his apostles. That's what, that sounds more like a secret to us, doesn't it? God had a secret during all those years. He was always going to do things the way he planned. He just didn't tell anybody for a long time. That's a secret. It's also the Greek word where we get our English word mystery. So here's what Jesus is saying in this answer. So having said all that, they say, Lord, why do you teach in ways that people won't understand everything? First part of the answer, Jesus says, you guys are going to get to learn stuff that nobody's ever learned before, that God's been planning from the beginning of time and he never told anyone and I'm, I, Jesus, not me, I, Jesus, I'm going to start teaching you 12 men 
some things that nobody's ever known before. And you get to learn that stuff. And you are going to write that stuff down and commission other people to write that stuff down. And we're going to call it the New Testament. And then it's your job to go reveal those secrets or those mysteries to me. And everybody else doesn't get to know that. That's the first part of the answer. Does that make sense? I told you there was no low-hanging fruit in this one. So what are the mysteries of the kingdom or the secrets of the kingdom? The kingdom itself is not a mystery. was not a secret. The Old Testament is full uh, of teaching that goes like this. There's going to be a king. We call him the Messiah or the Christ. He's going to come. He's going to reign over all the kingdoms of the earth. That's not a secret. That was the, that's one of the major themes of the Old Testament. That's why in the Gospels you never read of anybody raising their hand and going, Hey, Jesus, what's this kingdom you keep talking about? They knew about the kingdom, but there were certain things they didn't know. I've just picked out a few the church was a mystery, was a secret. Through all the Old Testament, nobody knew there was going to come a time where there was going to be this polyglot mass of diverse people, non-Israelites and, and, and Israelites together as equals in this big body. We can look back in the Old Testament and see where it fits, but n- nobody living through the Old Testament knew the church was coming. It was a mystery, a secret revealed by Jesus. The inclusion of Gentiles, that we get to be heirs in the, uh, the inheritance of the Jewish Messiah. That was a mystery. And here's another big one. Nobody in the Old Testament knew there was going to be a gap of time from when the king showed up. And then at least 2,000 years later or more, when the king starts reigning. Right? They had prophecies, promises like this. A son will be given to you. A child will be born. A son will be given. And the government will rest on his shoulders. That sounds like it's going to happen all at the same time. But God revealed through Christ and through the apostles from when the son was given to when he, the government rests on his shoulders wouldn't be the same time. There's a gap. What we call the church age. It's what we're living in right now. We know who the king is. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's not reigning yet. His government is going to be slightly better than ours. We're waiting on that. Those are the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom. There are others, but Jesus is going to start teaching his disciples those things. That's why he teaches from this point on using mainly parables. I defined a parable last week. A parable is a made-up story used to teach a real truth in a way that reveals truth to some people and conceals that same truth from other people. That's a parable. Parables, first, they reveal truth. How many of you like to hear a good story? Stories are great. Jesus loved to use stories. My opinion, Jesus is the greatest storyteller who ever lived. My apologies to all of our granddads and our uncles, because I'm sure you had some great storytellers in your family, but Jesus was the best. You know why he liked to use parables? Because they're a great way to reveal truth and help lunkheads like us remember truth. Stories draw us in, and they give us pictures to help us remember the truth he wanted to teach. 
stories take the abstract and make it concrete. You know what I mean by those things? More high-hanging fruit here, but stay with me. When I was teaching English, and I used to tell, I used to teach my students the abstract versus the concrete, here's how I did it. It's an oversimplification, but it works. An abstract concept is something you have a hard time drawing a picture of without using a symbol. Try it. Ready? Get your bulletin out, something to write with, and draw me a picture of love. Or draw a picture of peace. But you can't use symbols. What you're going to want to do is draw a heart for love and a dove for peace. But that's not actually a picture of love or peace. Those are symbols, right? Abstract concepts are things that are hard to define, hard to put your finger on, hard to draw a picture of. Concrete objects are different. If I say, all right, draw a chair, even the worst artist in here can scratch out something that looks like a chair because it is just, it is what it is. Stories do what those symbols, do they give us pictures to picture the abstract? And Jesus was the master at this. When Jesus wanted to teach us about unconditional love and forgiveness, he didn't give us definitions. He told us the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus could have, in last week's sermon, he could have said, all right, disciples, get your notebooks out. I'm going to tell you some stuff you need to know. There's at least three reasons you could hear good teaching, and that teaching could not become a part of your life. Okay, it could be your heart is too hard and you're going to reject the truth and Satan will steal it away. It could be you're too shallow, right? And you just want superficial improvement in your life. It could be that the energy of your life is going to support other things beside that teaching that God once taught. He could have said that. But try repeat, but if I ask you right now to repeat what I just said, you couldn't remember it and it's only been 30 seconds. So here's what Jesus, here's what we can remember. I don't want a heart that's hard like that path. When the sower sowed those seeds, which is the word of God, hard-hearted people, like the seed can't even sink in. I don't want a heart like that. I can picture shallow soil that doesn't let what God wants to root down in my life root down. I can picture weeds. what, What God wants to grow in my life can't grow if all my energy goes to feed the weeds. So he, t- he tells us pictures because it gives us something. It's like a coat hook that we can hang the truth on in our brains. Parables are a way to teach in a way that reveals truth in a, in a poignant and a powerful way. But they also conceal truth. The same story that can make one person weep can make somebody else go, yeah, I don't get it. Like, I I just was like, that was so much nonsense to me. Much of the rest of the passage is Jesus talking about why people don't get it. Starting in verse 13, we'll come back to verse 12. Jesus said, here's why I speak to him in parables. There's people who are going to see, they're not really going to see. They're going to hear, they're not really going to hear. They're not going to understand. Why? Verses 14 and 15, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Jesus said, the Old Testament predicted when the Messiah showed up, and here I am, there is people who just wouldn't get it. So I'm teaching in a way that some people won't get because that's what was, that's, that's what, uh, was predicted, was promised that I would be like. 
parables. Why do you teach in parables? Because there's an us and a them. You guys get to know the secrets of the kingdom. They don't. Parables reveal truth to some and conceal truth to others. And now we're ready for the heart of this passage. If, if you've nodded off, wake back up. Because here's the heart of this passage. And this is where you have something you can actually take home and, and put to use. Jesus is teaching about teaching and learning. and It's a concept of understanding. That's what the parable of the soils is. How will you understand teaching? What will you do in your heart with teaching? And then Jesus says this. When he's talking about understanding, why some understand and some don't. Verse 12, he says, For whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Here's what Jesus... Remember, he's talking about understanding. And this is a hard verse to understand. Don't pull it out of its context. He's talking about understanding. Whoever has understanding will get more understanding until they have an obedience of... Excuse me, until they have an abundance of understanding. Jesus says, if you guys that understand who I am, Accept me by faith. Here's what should happen inside of us, not just the disciples, us. When we come to understand what I explained at the beginning of the service about how I, there, was never be, there will never be one second for all of eternity that I, uh, that I deserve to be saved and be in heaven. And when I come to understand that Jesus saved me and he won me into the kingdom, when I have that understanding, it should make me want to know that guy more. And so whoever understands should want to understand and know Jesus better. And here's the promise we get. Whoever wants to know him more and wants to understand more will be given more understanding until they have an abundance of understanding. Will I ever understand everything that I want to know? Absolutely not. God's a very deep subject. We can't understand all of it. But that's the concept of understanding. When I want to know more, I will get to know more. An author named David Roper, I really like, he said this about this verse. The extent to which an individual wants to understand the word of the kingdom determines in part the amount of the word that is understood. You know what he said? The more, how much you want to know about Jesus and about the kingdom helps determine how much you will know about Jesus and the kingdom. It makes sense, doesn't it? The more I want to know, the more he will teach me. The more I want to know and the more I go to the source, he's teaching 12 guys the secrets of the kingdom. He's going to have them write, the, write them down in this book. He's going to have them start to take this truth around the whole world. And the more I want to know him and meet him here, the, he promises the more and more I'll learn about him. Now the problem is that concept of understanding goes both directions. 
Because the last part of that verse 12 says this, whoever does not have understanding, even what he has will be taken from him. Remember, this is the halftime speech of the parable of the sower. Okay? God, through Jesus, is sowing the word of the kingdom. The person who is hard-hearted and refuses, does not want to understand, does not try to understand, does not come to understand, he has been presented the most precious gift he will ever have, an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom. And eventually, if his heart doesn't soften and he doesn't come to understand that Jesus is who he claimed to be, guess what he will lose? The opportunity to become a part of the kingdom. Does that make sense? The more I want to know, the more he'll teach me when I meet him in his word. The less I want to know, the less opportunity I will have to come to know. So here's the part where I start encouraging you. This is not a sermon that will, uh, that will make you emotional. I don't expect a lot of tears in the, in the good job pastor handshake line from this one. But that's okay. Because this is a sermon that can change your life. If I start to understand, I got an opportunity to know the king of the universe And he promises to teach me more and more and more about who he is and what he likes and what he loves and what he desires. We don't read this thing because it's a chore and because every day if I don't, God is going to make me feel guilty all day long if I don't read. It's a privilege. It really is the Word of God. This is also why. Some of the most popular stuff right now that is spiritual and passes as Christian, some of it is Christian, some of it's like not quite Christian. Some of the most popular stuff I'm just warning you here, okay? Some of those popular stuff um, has the ability or has the, I don't know if it's by design, but here's what it is. Think about it. They might say, I know that the Bible is the word of God, but let me tell you what happened to me apart from this. I sat down and I listened really hard And God gave me a different message. God gave me something else, and I wrote it down, and it's really, really special. And and it'll be spine-tinglingly awesome if you read it. Now, here's why that's dangerous. One, there can be false stuff sort of snuck into things like that. But second, I read stuff like that, and I'm like, man, that was way more exciting than 2 Corinthians. 2 Thessalonians 2, one of Paul's main points is if we're not storing up truth in our hearts, Paul says we can be deluded by about anything. And there's a lot of stuff out there. Spiritual growth, like any growth, is slow. 
slow. It's one step at a time. And we all want to have an experience where God shoots us with something and we get the ooey-gooey's, and man, that's fantastic. Charles Ryrie, one of the most boring speakers ever, but he's a genius, uh, he said this. He was talking about revivals, going someplace where you really, really feel the Spirit of God. He said, you know, revivals maybe have their place, but they're like laxatives. They maybe have their place, but they're no substitute for regular Christian living. Okay? This is a healthy diet that we just chew on a little bit every single day. And we have the promise of Jesus that the more we want to know, the more he'll teach us. It may not come as quickly as you want. This is why one of the... uh, one of the excuses I hear for, I don't, for not going to church, for not reading my Bible, for not going to Bible study, like, well, I don't understand. Or I get intimidated because other people understand more than I do. You're not going to understand more by ingesting less. Right? When I was in seminary and I was trying to learn Greek, it was hard. In the textbook, there was a little half chapter, and here's what it said. It said, when you get frustrated and think you're not learning this stuff, back up three chapters and see if you know that stuff. And every time I did that, I'd be like, oh yeah, that stuff's easy. It's the stuff I'm doing right now I can't get. Guess what? Three chapters later, that stuff was easy if I kept going a little at a time. That's just the truth about life. And it's the truth about getting to know Jesus better in his word. I'm not saying, I'm not going to have a book burning, okay? And I'm not saying you can't read anything that's not just like the recited words of scripture. Otherwise, what I'm doing right now would be wrong. I'm reading a book with some friends right now that is not just the pages of scripture. But what it is, is somebody who studies this and takes a topic and brings the truth of, of this to weigh in on that topic. It's not, I mean, I know what this says, that's great, but man, this thing over here, this is way more fantastical. Let me end where Jesus ended. Getting to read this and have this and study this is not just a dry chore that I have to do if I don't want God to hate me. Listen to what Jesus said to the guys he was going to start teaching more and more about the secrets of the kingdom that are right here. Jesus said, your eyes are blessed because they do see and your ears are blessed because they do hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Sometimes I think we can, it, we can really easily take for granted how blessed we are to, to have. I wonder what God's will for me. It's in here. I wonder what God's desire. It's in here. I wonder who God it's in here. It's for our growth. It's for our benefit. It may be slow, you may not read so good, but one, it's like eating an elephant, one bite at a time, right? One bite at a time. 
You can't be in a relationship with someone you don't know. I'm going to say that again. You can't be in a relationship with someone you don't know. This is how he let us know him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for thank you for your word for revealing yourself through the pages of scripture. As we talked about at the beginning of the service, Lord, we would be lost on our own. But you have saved us through Christ. But we wouldn't know had you not revealed yourself through the pages of your word. If you hadn't built this this teaching into those 12 men who taught other men, who wrote uh, the scriptures, who passed it down generation to generation, so that right now we we can know you better, so that we can love you more. The more we know you, the more we will love you, the more we can do life with you. God, encourage this people, this body, to be people of the book who know your word, not as a chore so that you will like us. You died for us. You've proven that. But just so that we can get to know you better and better, that we might be kept from being deluded and deceived so that we might accurately proclaim who you are to those who are yet outside the kingdom, but by your grace might be brought in. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and finish with us.